for the lesson part, I'm going to go over um, one, two, three, four, five, six, six key areas and takeaways that I want you all to walk away with. Because even if you don't hear anything that I have to say, but you hear one piece of information that absolutely revolutionizes the way that you understand psychic ability and mediumship ability as well, I've done my job. I've done my work here today. So that's what my key focus is for you guys, okay? All right, so let me tell you a little bit about myself because some of you may not know who I am or where I came from or what I am about. So my name is Fernando. Most people call me Fernie. If you go to my social media pages, um, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, you go, when we're done today, go to my website. It's all linked to my website. You can just go over there and then like and follow me on there as well. Um, but I am a professional psychic medium and spiritual teacher and that means that I do this full-time. This is my full-time job. Um, I've been doing this full-time I want to say for about six or seven years now. Um, I've been doing this work for about 10 plus years, but professionally full-time for about six or seven years or so. Um, I used to be a Starbucks store manager. I was with Starbucks for many, many years, actually for about 10 years as well. And um, this was always something that I was passionate about. It was always something that I really got so much joy in just diving in and researching and reading. And once I did my homework, I decided this is what I want to do. And I made the decision to step away from Starbucks and to do this full time. Now, it wasn't an easy transition, um, to say the least. I think when you're going to walk away from like a stable job with benefits um, to do this full time, it's a questionable decision to a lot of people. I know when I decided to do this, a lot of people did not support that decision. They were like, what are you doing? You're going to leave a full time job to do this? Like, how many psychics and mediums do you know can do this for a living? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, maybe the people on TV, but I will be the first if there aren't any that we know of. <laughs> so um, I decided to make that jump and it took me about a year to build up my business, to build up my reputation and to build up my skill set where I was on the same level as a majority of the professionals in my area or my, my region, which at that time was Houston, uh, which is where I'm from. I'm from Houston, Texas. Now I'm in New Mexico. I'm in Santa Fe. So that's where I am currently at. Um, but but it took me about a year to build myself up and to carve my name and, and carve a notch in the industry there in Houston. And ever since then, it's just been continuously growing and expanding. So I'm pretty proud of myself. But I also think that um, a lot of people can do this. And something that I ran into over many years of working with a lot of intuitives, having a lot of friends who are intuitives, is that the majority of intuitives, the psychics, the mediums that I know, they don't do this full time. They do this part time. They have a full time job that is paying for their benefits, that is paying, putting you know food on the table. Well, right now in COVID, with COVID, a lot of people aren't in that same situation anymore. But uh, a lot, a, a lot of people that I knew at the time, they were doing this part time, and they uh, they were doing this yeah part time, and they had a full time job that was supporting them. So I completely understand that because not everybody. This isn't for everyone. Not everybody has the the. Um, the personality type to be able to do this full time because it does require a lot of investment, not only mentally, emotionally, but it also requires a level of business savviness and professionalism with the workload um, that is necessary in any kind of work of this magnitude of nature. So what I'm going to show you and what I'm going to give you are the biggest takeaways that I've learned over the last 
five, ten years that have amplified and given me an opportunity to take myself to this level. Now, granted, I'm not going to have enough time to go into everything in extensive detail because there's so much to learn, so much to know. Um, and if you want one-on-one -on -one time with me, you can just check out my website. I offer like individual coaching and um, mentorship programs for people who really want to take it to the next level. I'm also about to start a psychic business coaching um, um, service for people who actually want the help and the support as they're building their business up because I know all of the things that are necessary to be able to take yourself from a part-time job or a full-time job to doing this full-time without having to have a backup job. Um, so I know all of that and I think Starbucks and my experience with them for that, experience, for that information. So let me start with one of the most important um, key takeaways. So let's. So I'm going to go through a bunch of slides here. Some of this you might have already heard of. I understand that some of you may already be well aware of some of this information. So if it is um, if it is something you've already been aware of, that's fine. No worries. Just ride along with me. I'm going to take you to the very end, and then we'll get into the readings. Okay. So the first. So let's start here. All right. So whenever you are going to develop your psychic and intuitive abilities, a lot of people like to use different approaches. They have different ways of teaching it. They have different approaches. And when I first started to develop myself, I ran into the same problem or struggle where there were so many different strategies, but not one was really working for me. And so I kind of got frustrated and tired, and I just started to play around with my psychic ability to figure out how it actually worked and how I could use it and maximize its potential. Um, and it wasn't until I took a course with uh, world-renowned and TV psychic detective Pam Coronado. Um, she's been on several series. She's been on OWN, and she's also been, she had her own series for a while, a TV show, uh, show called uh, Sensing Murder as well. But um, it wasn't until I took her course that I really realized that I had been focusing or paying attention to the wrong things and the wrong strategies for so long that I was actually robbing myself of the opportunity to take myself to the next level. So the first stage and the first step in becoming a professional or just taking your, your skill set to the next stage is to own it. You have to own it. And what I mean by that is everyone, everyone, you, I, everyone on this planet, who is a human being has the potential to be a very good psychic and medium because these are not skills that only a select few were gifted. These are skills and abilities that are our human right to possess because we've had them from the beginning of time. We've just lost our ability to understand and to utilize them to their maximum potential. So I always come into this with you're, you know, not it's it's not just you and you and you because y'all are special. It's we all are special because we all have this ability. We all can do this. Some of us are just going to be better and more sensitive than others, and that's the biggest difference. I came in a lot more sensitive, so it was a little easier for me to grasp some of the workload and to do it. Others, it may take a little bit more work. Some people can press a piano key, piano key, and make a sound that sounds great. Some people can can be Mozart and they can create all kinds of beautiful pieces of music. So the first thing you have to do is you have to own it. You have this ability, you have this skill, you just have to understand it and learn how to tap into it consistently and strategically. So when I began doing this, one of the biggest, biggest lessons I learned is that within our own minds, within our own awareness, there are different things going on. We may think that it's only up, up 
it's only us up here in our brains, but in fact, there is a lot going, up, going on inside of our minds all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Once we came into this physical body, once we assumed this physical complex, con, um, construct we call a physical form, we began to integrate and we began to interact and engage with different vibrational and energetic frequencies and forms. So there is a you, which is you are the culmination of your emotions, your thoughts, your memories within your physical body. And then there's the others. And when I say others, others could be other people who are alive, other people who are not in physical form anymore and who are spirits, other energies, other moments in time, other experiences, other everything else. So there is us and then there's the other. And so when we are going to start paying attention to what is going on in our brains, because that's the first thing is we have to figure out what's happening upstairs. We have to understand the difference between us and everything else. And most people tend to get so confused in that mix and shuffle that they assume everything is them. Um, and this is one of the biggest struggles for empaths. And I, that's what I started off as. I started off as a very strong empath. I was very sensitive, but empathy wasn't the only skill I possessed. It was my strongest natural tendency, but it wasn't the only skill. And so once I began to pay more attention to my own being, my own sense of self, understanding my emotions, my my thoughts, my memories, then when I began to encounter and experience emotional energy, thought energy, and memory engagements or triggering of memories that I didn't, that there was no reason to be triggered in the moment because I wasn't doing anything that brought that memory up. I wasn't doing anything that brought that thought into my head. I wasn't experiencing anything that made me feel that emotion it became obvious that there is a difference and that there are very subtle differences between our sense of self and our energy and whatever is the other. So that's the first step is owning that you can do this and then beginning to figure out the difference between what's you and what's everything else. And one of the best approaches and and what I, you know, what I've learned because everybody who takes a psychic class, I'm sure they've been given the same kind of general strategy which is to meditate. Like if you meditate, you'll suddenly become psychic or you'll suddenly become good at being psychic. Um, there's also journaling which would be automatic writing and art which is also a form of expression. But for the majority of, of, of teachers out there, they really push meditation like it's no one's business. It's like the Adderall of the psychic uh, mediumship world. So it's like, this is the only way you can be a psychic medium is by meditating, meditating, meditating. Well, what I've come to realize over my personal experience is that meditation can be very helpful when beginning to decipher what's the difference between your thoughts, emotions, and uh, memories, and what's being triggered from the outside, from an outside energy exchange. And if you are too obsessed with meditation, if you get too caught up in just meditating, you will actually do yourself a disservice and you will begin to almost shut down some of the psychic processes within your own mind. Because meditation is a way to make us aware, to make us sensitive, to make us pay attention, but it's also a way that most people, which when they get into the trap, they start to push it away. They push away thoughts. They push away emotions. They push away memories. They're like, I'm supposed to meditate. I'm supposed to be in this place and in this mental state where I'm supposed to shut everything down, everything off. Once I shut everything down and everything off, I'm going to suddenly receive psychic insights. There's an angel is going to descend from the clouds once I get to that point of meditation and is going to give me all the answers. It's going to give me all the, the, the psychic information that I'm desiring to know. And it 
it just does not work that way. So if you are meditating and meditating and meditating, thinking that just meditation alone will get you there, you are wasting precious time because there's a very, very critical piece that is missing. It's almost like when you buy a car. If you buy a car and you fill it with gas and you keep filling it with gasoline, you're giving it what it needs to, to, to function and to roll. But if you don't get behind the steering wheel and turn it on and actually drive it, you're basically not using the car. And so most of us that meditate and meditate and meditate, we're just putting, we're pouring gasoline in, but we're not really doing much with the vehicle itself. The vehicle being the processes within your mind, the brain, the functioning, uh, the functioning practical aspects of our mega computer inside of our head. And so that's the component that a lot of psychics and a lot of mediums miss in the beginning stages. And they will cost themselves years of development because they get stuck in that trap. They get stuck in that part of it. So ways of becoming aware. So as I said, you can meditate, which can help you become sensitive, but you don't want to overdo it to where you're shutting down or pushing away very important um, very important information, knowledge, and so forth. So another way is by journaling or by expressing yourself through art. When you journal, what tends to happen is you are basically acknowledging, and this is a form of acknowledgement. You're acknowledging what you're experiencing, what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and you're putting it down on paper. You don't have to do it for any other reason other than just to acknowledge it, but that's the important part is to acknowledge it. How many times do we go through our day having just thought after thought after thought after thought or experience after experience after experience in our daily, um, our, our daily progressive um, time and we don't stop and actually assess analyze or pay attention to those thoughts, those emotions, those memories. Most of us are just on autopilot. We're just going through our day, spinning our wheels, but we're not really taking the time to be present. And so a lot of this has to do with being present. And so by journaling, you're acknowledging what's going on inside of you and you're making yourself aware of it and you're taking the time out of your day to just pay attention and write down what you get and note it and note it and note it. So it doesn't have to be this like super excessive, extreme, um, complicated way to journal. It's just like, okay, today's date. Um, this morning I woke up and I was thinking about this. Don't know why, don't know what that's about, but this is what I was thinking about. And that's it. You don't have to analyze it. You don't have to apply meaning to it. You don't even have to try to fit it into any kind of large worldview of anything. You just need to just be aware of it. Art is another way of doing it as well, because with art, you are allowing yourself to be abstract. You're allowing yourself to be not linear. You're allowing yourself to be creative. And the reason why more people who are psychic and sensitives and mediums um, tend to also have a very artistic or creative side to them is because that has been an actual useful skill and tool for them. It doesn't mean you have to be a professional artist. You don't have to go and sell something at the Manel or any kind of uh, art gallery, but it's important that you express yourself and allow yourself to get creative in any way that serves you. If it's paint, if it's molding with clay, if it's drawing or sketching, it's whatever, whatever works for you. But you know, if you're a craftsperson, craft the hell out of your day because by crafting, you're allowing your creative abstract center in your brain to just be expansive, to just be be itself without having to be forced or controlled or structured. And as children, who most children are very psychic and sensitive, we are taught not to be that way. Like that's a child, that's child's play or that's child behavior, or that's, you know, that's inappropriate for an adult. We all have to be professional. We all have to be one way. And that's unacceptable for someone who is wanting to become a psychic and a medium.
So the ways that you can use these to focus on your, your thoughts, your emotions, and your memories is by going through these three key areas, which is discerned feeling. When you are having an emotion within you, what does it connect to? What is it about? How does it feel? Describe it. You know, when I talk to a client and I'm going through the beginning stages, because I'm always trying to explain to a client how the process is going to go and what my process is for receiving information so they can write along with me, um, I always tell them, you know, when I begin to ask questions of source of God of the universe, my answers always come back in three ways. I will either see symbols or visuals in my mind that I need to interpret. I am going to feel different emotions because emotions help me to distinguish between one kind of situation versus another. And I'm also going to have memories that become triggered because whatever memories come up within, within me, that is the universe's way of saying, Fernie, her situation with this issue is very similar to what I may have encountered three years ago with a friend or two weeks ago with another client. So when it comes to discerned feeling, what is the feeling? Because not all emotions are the same. Not all emotional experiences are equal. If you are getting a, if you're at a stoplight and you pass the red light um, accidentally and you get a ticket and you're in the process of getting the ticket, that's a very specific feeling for those of us who have had to go through that. We feel pan panicky. We we feel anxious, we feel afraid, we feel worried, um, we feel pressured. Some of us don't. Some of us feel very cocky and arrogant. Oh, I'm just going to get away with it. I've got a lawyer. But for the majority of us, we feel anxiety. We feel something very specific. And so if I say, what does it feel like when you get a speeding ticket and you're getting pulled over? Most of us have memory and experiences of that memory. We have a memory of those emotional um, freak, uh, those emotional spectrums and what we're going through in that moment. So it's a very unique experience. If someone just announced that they are pregnant and they're about to have a baby, that's a very different emotional experience. So when I talk about discerned feeling, what I am talking about is being able to understand the difference between one emotional expression or experience versus the other. And not all emotions are the same, but the more we begin to pay attention and start to kind of you know, dissect the emotion, dissect what we're getting, it's gonna give us an understanding of whether it's us, or whether it's something else. And if it's something else, what is it? Like, what is what exactly does that feel like? What is that connected to? How does it make, how, how does it connect to what is going on right now? Um, and so if ever I'm having a really, really rough day and I am feeling a certain kind of way, I always ask myself first, like, is this me or is this something else? And if it's me, usually there are thoughts and direct experiences in that day that have triggered or brought this up within me. Because we're humans, right? We're gonna have human experiences, we're gonna have human emotions. But if it's something else, there should be no thought that is directly associated with what led me to feel that. There should be no direct experience in my day that led me to connect that emotion, to connect to that emotion. It should just be out of, the, out of nowhere. And so I always tell people, when you are receiving a visitation from a loved one and you just suddenly begin to feel the bond that you had in life, even though you weren't doing anything in that moment that actually reminded you of them, it just suddenly came up within you and you felt that rush of emotion connected to that person who's no longer in physical form. It's probably not you, it's probably they visiting with you. Your brain has become aware of that energy exchange with that external source and it is trying to pull at anything within you that can help you discover and understand and figure out what's going on. And so by nature we are going to assume that it is us, but it isn't. It's a visitation. It's an opportunity for us to experience something that we honestly have a lot more often than we realize.
Conscious thinking is also the same way. When we have thoughts, thoughts are like the stock exchange. When you look at like the news and you see the little ticker tape at the bottom, the ticker tape always has like one stock after another, after another, after another. It's a linear stream of consciousness. It's a linear stream of thinking. And so usually one thought will feed into another, which will feed into another, which will feed into another. So like for example, right now I'm looking at my AirPod case and I'm like, oh look, I'm looking at my AirPod case. And then I'm thinking about the skins that I could buy for my AirPod case that could cover it. And Say, oh yeah I could totally buy skins for my airpod case and then I'm thinking about skin because I'm like well you know what earlier I just I was I totally forgot to put on my lotion when I was taking a shower and so now my skin feels dry and so that's one thought that leads to another that leads to another but if I'm over here and I'm trying to write down something on my notepad and then all of a sudden I have a random thought of a parrot that is missing or lost in my head or birds that are just not really like you know nowhere to be found and it's a random thought of a parrot missing it had nothing to do with what i was writing on my notepad it was something very disjointed and disconnected from the stream of thoughts and so at that moment it's pretty obvious that i was just with myself and then something else has popped in or, or chimed in to my stream of consciousness and as antennas as walking talking energy antennas, we are constantly engaging with external thoughts, with external information that we do not even realize as psychic because we're so used to internalizing our experience here, not objectifying that experience and seeing it from different points of view and perspectives. So when you have a thought that just randomly pops into your head, which we can call precognition um, or intuition, if it's, a, if it's a mixture of gut feeling with emotion um, and thoughts, then it is probably a psychic piece of information or, or data point. It isn't you having a linear stream of thinking or a pattern of thinking. Same thing with memory. Whenever I'm in session, and I am giving someone a reading and I'm going through their career area and I start to say, you know, it feels kind of odd because I feel like the beginning of the year, there's a shift that takes place. And I kind of am reminded of when I used to work at Starbucks and there was a store that lost their manager and my boss had asked me, hey, can you go over and take care of the store? Can you watch the store? Um, and then we're gonna get a new manager in there. Sure, yeah, I'd love to do that. Um, and I went ahead and started to do that. And so whatever is going on at the beginning of the year when you're with your job or with your work situation for some reason it brings up this memory so it reminds me of this situation so you might be asked and so that's when i make an assumption because i'm using the memory that i have to give me information and it is a specific part of the memory it's not the entire memory it's not the entire thing that i experienced at that time it's just that one little piece or component that just seemed to be highlighted in my mind that was saying you know fernie you were asked to go to another store it wasn't your responsibility but you were given it because somebody else left it in shambles, you took it over, you agreed to it, and you continue doing that regardless of the struggle to you. So for me, that was the point. So then I will tell the client what I'm seeing, um, and more often than not, they'll say, yeah, you know what, that's interesting because my coworker has already told us that she's probably leaving by the end of the year, and it looks like we don't have anyone to replace her. I don't know if there's going to be someone new coming in or not, but you know, I might have to take on her workload. So that's the connection. That's how the memory is being used by source, by universe, by our brains to help us understand and make, make sense of the data, of the information that we're psychically sensing. So a lot of people have this idea or this mindset, and which takes me into kind of the next, um, the next area or the next point, which is a lot of people, actually, that's not the one I wanted. Let me see. This, that. Actually, that, yeah, that one. All right. So um, a lot of people have this um, idea that 
psychic ability and mediumship should, should work a certain way. They should function a certain way. They should look a certain way. They should sound a certain way. And I blame a lot of our cultural ignorance about the topic of psychics and mediums. And I also blame our own personal biases and conditioning through films from Hollywood that have kind of created this idea of what psychics and mediums do. And from my personal experience and from seeing a lot of my own friends who are also psychics and mediums, they have gotten stuck in this trap, a majority have, because they bought into the conditioned, um, the conditioned belief around psychics and mediums. The reason why people don't take psychics or mediums seriously and why this work hasn't gained enough attention in a very serious context is because of Hollywood, is because of the ignorance that has been perpetrated by culture, by the norms and by the stigmas that are associated with this kind of work. So most people who start to go into this work, they go into this work and they run into a few blocks. And these blocks are either self-imposed or they are conditioned blocks by society and by our experience um, with the outside world. And so a lot of people have unrealistic and fantasized expectations for psychic work and mediumship work. In other words, if you believe that you're just going to meditate and then suddenly right before you a spirit will appear in full form and they will begin to speak perfect sentences and you're going to know exactly what they want, exactly what they're saying, exactly Exactly what they need from you and everything that they say is going to be hundred percent the gospel truth then that is an unrealistic fantasized expectation about this work and so most people have this idea that psychics know everything or are supposed to know everything they're supposed to read minds that mediums are supposed to see and know all spirits why can't you give me this this person's name why can't you do this why can't you do that and so um, a lot of a lot of those expectations are fantasized ideas for this work and how it should be. So it's really important that we understand that that can be a block for a lot of us as well. And that if we're not careful, we can spend a lot of time stuck with those blocks and it will take a lot more work to get rid of those blocks um, than, than it is to kind of condition, decondition ourselves and move past it. I think for me, I began practicing my psychic abilities and getting into this field back when I was um, back when I was like in my teens, and I actually started to build a following back then. But I wasn't prepared for all of the hard work and the backbone that this was going to require of me, so I stepped away from it. And it took me 15 years to get back into this work and to build my skill set and abilities up to the point that I've gotten them to today. But I got stuck with these blocks because I didn't want to be wrong. I didn't, I, I expected to be like Teresa Caputo or like Tyler Henry or like Silver Brown in some instances or like um, Don Edwards. I expected to be like these very famous, well-known psychics on TV. And even though in the moment I thought, oh my God, they're being filmed and look how incredibly accurate they are. We don't know the full story that they were in recording sessions for an hour or two hours and that out of the two hours of recording that was made, there was only like a five or 10 minute segment that was used. So there was a lot of background and, and missing pieces and data there that could have definitely helped to create a more realistic approach and understanding about psychic work and spirituality and spiritual um, work as well. So unrealistic and fantasized expectations. It's one block that will get in your way. Another block is the egocentric mindset and also on the opposite spectrum, low self-esteem. 
in this work, and to be quite honest and frank, I have met a lot of people who are completely in love with themselves to the point where their own sense of receiving worship or being um, praised was more important than the work. And I know I could recognize that because I went through the same process myself. I ran into the same trap as well. I was more focused on getting attention or focused on helping. I was less focused on helping people and more, more focused on getting attention that I completely got stuck in that block and I was just throwing stuff out of my mouth that was less that I was less aware of and I was more focused around getting attention or being right or being you know validated or whatever so I got stuck in that egocentric mindset and so a lot of people who are in this industry are also very egocentric and they're more focused on just getting all this extra attention and being praised and being highlighted and being put on a on a pedestal and unfortunately that will get in the way of you developing your psychic abilities because you're more focused on attention and less focused on the work the opposite is also true, where low self-esteem will get in the way and you will not be able to, um, you will not be able to build yourself up to the level of confidence where you can do this work because you, you do have to have a healthy sense of confidence and self-esteem. And what I mean by that is not so much getting the validation from people or being validated as a working psychic or as a valid psychic or medium, but just having enough validation where you feel like there's a, there's a point to the work you're doing and there's something that's being affected in a positive way, you're helping people, and so there's, there's a point to it. And so there's enough there that you can believe in yourself and you can believe in the work itself and in the process that you want to do it. So you have to have a, enough of a sense of self-esteem to be able to do the work, but you don't want to have so much self self-esteem that you're basically in love with yourself and everything that you do in this field is all about you and how you can be praised and how you can be the next Teresa Caputo or the next Tyler Henry. Um, so it's got to be about the work. If it's not about the work, you're going to get screwed over at some point by your own block and it's going to get in the way of you being a really great and incredible psychic medium. The last um, block that I've run into quite often and I've also had to deal with myself, is the pressure to be right. How many of us want to be right? How many of us do not want to be made to look like fools, do not want to feel like we aren't good enough or feel like we have enough skill or enough talent? Not only that, but a majority of sensitives and psychics that I know tend to compare themselves to everybody else that's out there. You see someone on TV, you compare yourself. You see a TV show, you compare yourself. You watch The Sixth Sense, you compare yourself. And so that builds, that takes you into your first block, which is under realistic and fantasized expectations. So you comparing yourself and because you're not exactly the same, you're not doing it their way or that way, you're essentially robbing yourself of a unique psychic mediumship experience that only you can deliver and only you can bring. And so because you're comparing yourself, you're basically telling yourself and you're conditioning yourself, if I'm not as good as them or if I can't do exactly that, then I am not a psychic and I am not a medium. And you've just completely demolished and obliterated any attempt and any real value that you could have brought to the table. Um, and so that pressure of also being right is the same thing where you just want to be right. You don't want to be made to look like a fool. You don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want to feel um, like a fraud. And I get it because most psychics and mediums, when they go into this work, they question their own sanity. I did. I, I have a mother who's a schizophrenic. And so my first thought was, okay, maybe I'm sick or maybe I'm ill or maybe something is wrong with me. But when you start having psychiatrists and psychotherapists coming to you for readings, I think it pretty much gives you an idea that you're, you're, you're okay. You're not crazy. But um, a lot of people, they immediately start to question themselves and
and whether they are actually sane and if they're okay or if they're just making this up in, in their heads. Um, and yeah, sometimes we do. Sometimes we do make stuff up in our heads because we're trying to make sense of stuff that we don't always understand. But in the beginning stages when you're doing that, it can be very harmful and it can hold you back and keep you from having a valid opportunity to develop and to grow as a psychic and a medium. Okay, so I want to talk next about, let's see where we at here. This is the one I need. Yes, this is the one I need. So um, here's the thing. Well, actually, no, let me use the other one because I'll go with the other one first and then we'll come back to this one. Okay, so this is the energy frequency spectrum. Um, and for those of you who do not know, about the different spectrums or vibrational frequencies that our brains go through, especially when dealing with psychic and mediumship work, is that our brains are very complex machines. And just like a vehicle, a vehicle can coast along at like five miles an hour. It can also go at like 120 miles an hour as well. It can also, if you've, if you've had a, a Prius, which I had a hybrid Honda, it can like be on and you don't even realize it's on because it's like, is it even on? Because I can't hear anything. Um, damn hybrids. So um, with the mind, it has a very huge range of operation and if you're going to be a psychic or a medium you need to not limit your potential and your potential is going to basically base around the amount of work you put into developing and also your belief system or your ideas around what you're capable of so the if you look at the the side on the side to the right um, this shows the different brain waves and the different frequencies that are associated with the different states of mind so when you think of thoughts just thoughts rolling through our head different ideas etc um, coming up with solutions to problems that's going to kind of vibrate within the the gamma wave frequency or spectrum um, it's very active it's very um, high paced there's a lot of data going through there. If you look at the, the state next to that, that's when we're engaging with other people because we're at that point having to be present so that we can interact with them. And so we have to listen and then that is creating a reaction within us and then we're going to react however we're going to, whether it's through speaking, through physical behavior, through accessing memory, through accessing you know stored knowledge from our life's experiences, but we're going to access something and then we're going to respond. And so that kind of comes up around the beta wave frequency or, 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 or um, range. And so that's more about being present and giving something our attention. And then the next stage below that is the alpha frequency or the alpha range. And that's where we kind of tend to be more relaxed. People who they've come home from a long day of work, they're kind of chilling out, relaxing. They're not really wanting to kind of be engaged with anything or anyone. They're, they're, they're tuning out of social media. They want to relax. That's where we're going to find that frequency starting up at. Um, and so you kind of have to be in a relaxed state um, in order to kind of hit that alpha wave. And if you continue to get relaxed, you go into a deeper um, um, alpha wave which starts to include frequencies of meditation as well so that is the primary psychic zone that can help you to develop and it can help you to achieve your full potential we do have other frequencies below that we have the deep meditation frequency which kind of goes into the theta frequency we also have the sleep um, frequency or the sleep zone which is the Delta we're pretty much like not even having dreams we're like completely knocked out it's it's that time where you, you close your eyes you go to sleep you wake up the next Next day and you don't remember anything and it was like a snap of a finger really quickly so that's what the delta wave zone is um, and so whenever we are having psychic dreams or receiving dreams um, and intuition through our sleeping stages it's usually because we're we're vibrating or we're, we're bouncing back and forth between that higher theta state the alpha state and in some instances beta waves that we're waking up all the way but the psychic zone includes a large chunk of that um, a lot of people have this understanding that psychics 
only are able to access that zone from the alpha frequency. And so a lot of people focus again on the meditation and they end up dropping into theta and then they kind of get a little too far into meditation and they completely go out of zone. You kind of have to find that sweet spot. And everybody's sweet spot at first is going to be a very unique positioning your place there, um, but you can still work on developing your skills and you can build that higher, more advanced and evolved range so that you can hit a lot of different frequencies. So currently where I'm at right now in my current development, because I never stopped developing, I never stopped pushing myself to take my skills to the next level or to the next um, zone. And so I have a pretty wide range of frequencies. I can do psychic readings, which is basically in my head like doing mathematical equations, except instead of doing it with math, I'm using thoughts, emotions, and memories as part of the equation and I'm making sense of the of the recipe with the mixture of those things. I also have the ability to communicate with spirit which is going to take me into the alpha zone so I'm still going to engage with those gamma and beta waves but I'm also predominantly maintaining an alpha wave state it is harder to maintain that state when you're also activating the um, the, the the higher uh, wave states or the frequencies because it's it's almost like you're like stop and go, stop and go traffic. How exhausting is stop and, go, stop and go traffic? It's the same thing. When you're idling and you're just still, that's stopped. That is at your lower frequency stage. That's at the theta stage. And then when you're going or you're trying to speed up really quickly, you're revving back up to gamma. So when I'm doing mediumship work, I'm, ba I'm basically um, clutching between the gamma and the, the upper theta waves. And it can get really exhausting. So doing any kind of uh, me mediumship work for a long period of time is, really un, um, it's unachievable it's just really hard to do like some people can do it that they can do one or two hours of it if they have like a like a, an audience and they're kind of feeding off of some of the energy of the audience but when you're doing one-on-one -on -one sessions it's kind of hard to maintain that frequency and that range um, for longer than 45 minutes once you hit that 45 and that's something that I've noticed as well because I used to start off doing one-hour mediumship sessions but I could not make it to the I could not for the life of me get past that last 45, 50, the past 45, 50 minute um, zone. And so after that, my energy level would drop significantly and I noticed a huge decline in my ability to connect mediumship, uh, mediumistically with spirits. So most people can kind of do it around that 45 uh, range and I've noticed that with other mediums as well. Um, it's kind of like a fish out of water and you also have to remember that our loved ones in spirit, they are fish out of water because they no longer reside on this vibrational frequency. They no longer have to deal with this physical structured form environment that we call the physical universe. They are in a vibrational energetic state and it's usually mostly of thought and just awareness. And so when they are coming to connect with us, they also have to shift their energy state to some extent just so that they can make the connection to us, just so that they can bridge with us. while we have to amplify and build up our vibrational frequency so that we can increase our vibes to a higher state and a more uh, loving and supportive and nurturing state. So we have to rev it up and then they have to bring them down a little bit. Now some people may disagree with that because I know some uh, sensitives and mediums out there say no they don't have to do anything. We have to do all the work and as, as much as I would say that I agree with that I've had plenty of experiences with spirits who are just they are just having a blast with trying to come through in session and communicate using this process of communicating through a medium. Um, and they also have described how it's it's taken them a little bit of effort as well because it's not it's like a fish out of water. So 
for us, all of us, we all have that psychic zone. We can reach that full spectrum, that full frequency, but most people are going to start off on basic elemental levels. So for some of you who may be uh, very strong emotional empaths or, or empaths, um, you would start at the emotional zone. And the emotional zone is the zone that is closely connected with the human experience, with our physical human conditioned experience. So right where that is, is also where the ego is. And so sometimes when we are having an emotional reaction or experience, immediately the ego kicks in because the ego's job is to protect us and to help keep us alive. And so sometimes when the ego is amplified too much and we're paying too much attention to the ego, that's when it starts to become um, those people who are egomaniacs or who um, are all about themselves or who want to control and dominate, etc. Because they're so focused on supporting those emotional um, those emotional experiences that make them feel great. Um, they're so connected to that that they can Completely miss um, the ego is the is a uh, is honestly an intuition a psychic and a mediumship assassin it will basically keep you from being able to access some of those higher frequency states with connecting with our higher selves so emotional empathy is a very basic level awareness state once we get past our emotional empathy stage we can start to get more into the conceptualized thinking or the thought forms or making sense of the thought patterns and data that are coming into our mind and so we can acknowledge the emotions but then we get into that mental state and then we can start paying attention to our thoughts and start figuring out the difference between us and them and once we figure out that very subtle difference then we can start to utilize and access conceptual thinking processes within the psychic um, experience and that gives us very specific pieces of information and details that we normally would not have access to if we were just trying to feel our way through it so emotions can help us gauge the overall sense of something, but then when you get to the thinking part of it, it helps us to structure those emotions behind patterns and data that helps us to make sense of very key pieces of information and descriptions when it comes to doing readings, connecting with people, etc. So that's another stage, a stage above that. Then we go into another higher stage, which is where these spirit personality memory experiences, and that's where we start to connect with our spirits in the other on the other side. So that's where the spirit personality reside whenever I connect to a spirit on the other side I'm not connecting to their highest form I don't need to connect to their highest form because the person here did not have an experience with their highest form so when like someone's giving a mediumship session and the medium all they can say is oh your father loves you he's with you he's hundred percent supportive of everything that you do and he loves the world and he loves all people like that and the, the, the clients in front of me they're like ah, that's not my dad <laughs> my dad didn't, never had that personality and that was never him now that doesn't mean the medium isn't connected connecting to the father, but the medium has gone too high in spectrum and is connecting to a higher vibrational version of that spirit being. And so if you really want to connect with that personality and bring validation to the people here, you need to bring through the personality characteristics, the individual that was here as a human being. And so I have gotten really good at doing interpretations. I think when I was a kid, I used to do interpretations of people and I'd watch like Steve Urkel on like uh, Family Matters and I'd pretend to be Steve so I used to be all of these different characters as a kid, not realizing that today when I began to mimic a personality, some of those skills 
are coming into play and I'm taking on that spirit personality's characteristics, their persona, their, their, the person that they were. I'm exemplifying and sharing that with people here as well. It doesn't happen with every single session, but it happens often enough that people, especially those who do video sessions with me, they start to say, you started talking like my brother and you were using hand gestures and these things and so you were taking on his like personality. I'm like, good. That means that I was making good contact with him and he was using my faculties because I gave him permission to do so. So that's where these spirit beings are at. They're on that level, on that frequency. Um, and that's where memory also comes in as well, because everything that they are sharing with us is going to use and activate memories, memories that we possess. So when I communicate with someone, I, say, I tell them, look, here, here's an example of a spirit communication. When, let's say, okay, I tell somebody I've got an older female coming forward, and actually, let me, let me back up for a second. Let's say there's a woman, you had an aunt, her name was Sarah, she did stained glass. That was her favorite activity to do. She used to love doing stained glass. She you know, went to the art shows, and she had stained glass all over her house. She gave it as gifts. That was who she was in life. So when I begin to communicate with them, I'm not going to see a person materialize in front of me and speak perfect English and in perfect sense and say, hey, hi Fernie, thanks for letting me come and talk to you. My name is Sarah. I'm her aunt. I live at 7354 Bullocks Road. I'm 73. I was 70, uh, 74 when I passed away or right the day before my birthday, but I'm, I consider myself to be 74 now. And this is my, my niece and she's my sister's daughter and we had tons of experiences together and I did stained glass and I want all these awards like that I wish they could communicate that simply and easily and structurally. It is not happening. And I've never met a medium or a psychic that has that level of detail coming through every single reading, every single time. If it were happening, trust me, we would see it. We would hear about it. We would be those people would be blasted on television and they'd be a part of a lot of experiments because people would take them seriously. It does not happen that way. There might be moments where we get that kind of clarity, but it's usually going to be a mixture of being thrown into a dark room and we don't have any light in that room. We've only got a little laser beam to shine our, our focus on anything, but it doesn't light up the entire room. So we kind of have to make our way through what's in that room and fill our way around, try to smell it out, try to feel it, try to get a taste of the air use that laser beam to try to make sense of any little small pieces of, of, of information or, or stuff that will help us um, understand what we're encountering or what we're dealing with. So if I'm connecting to this woman, what I will get is, okay, so I've got an older female coming forward. Um, she is definitely above you. So I'm going to say this is probably going to be a mother figure, grandmother figure, or aunt, but I don't think it's as high as a grandmother figure. I kind of feel like she's below that level. And so I think that maybe she's around that. So this would be like a mother or an aunt or sister, sister-in-law to her. And then she's also giving me a letter S because I keep feeling the sounding of an S, but I feel like it's not an S like a long S like Samantha. I feel like it's a short S like Sean or like Sheen or Shane. So there's a short S, not a long S association to it. So it feels different from a long S, but there's an S connection. So either she's the S or she's wanting to acknowledge the S here. She also keeps bringing up a memory or triggering a memory of when I was preparing my house for sale. We had an old Craftsman 100 year old house. I didn't want to replace it with a cheap Home Depot window, so I decided to hire a craftsman to come over and build me a brand new window, very detailed to match the style of the house. So she's 
this female in spirit is connecting with me, giving me this piece, and she's also acknowledging this memory. So I don't know if there's something special about construction or she was into real estate and fixing houses. or And so my brain is going to take this in whatever would make sense for me because I have more experience with people who do construction or people who've done housework because of my own personal experience and less experience with people who did stained glass. So my brain and my understanding is going to take it to a place where I can make sense of it. But at that point, Assuming that the client is aware of their own family member, because you'd be surprised at how many times people forget their own family members, like brothers and sisters and uncles and dads and mothers during a mediumship session. But um, when they, when they, hopefully they will start to see the pieces come together and they're like, oh, no, I think I know who you're talking about. That's my Aunt Sarah. She did stained glass. That's what she's trying to tell you. Or that's what she's talking about. So even though I may not have come to that conclusion myself because I got caught up in my own personal experiences, the pieces were there and it was very specific pieces that had to do with this individual. Now, there are times where I get very specific pieces of information where I will get an exact name or I will get, I get the exact cause of death or I will get the exact connection to them in their family or how they're connected to the person or the client but it isn't always the case with every single session and every session is different and also sitting with the client the client is going through their own experience themselves some people are very nervous they're very anxious they don't know what to expect some people are going against the grain of their religious beliefs to have a session because they are so desperate for that bond and that connection to their loved one some people are just expecting to be blown away with every single piece of information that is brought forth and because I'm not giving them everything summarized because of their expectations and because of thank you Hollywood for making it seem to be a certain way um, what tends to happen is that they are not really paying attention and they start to say no a lot and and I'll get a few of those I don't get as many as I used to but I'll get a lot uh, some people who are like no 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 and they'll say no to almost every single thing that I'm telling them now I've gotten really good at like putting my foot down and like sinking my my toes into the ground and when I am feeling something I'm not gonna dismiss it because I'm the one feeling it they aren't they're in their own mind they're in their own brain they're in their own thinking process Process, they don't understand what I'm going through in my experience so I have to trust myself I have to trust that I know what I'm doing that I've done this long enough that whatever I'm getting makes sense or is somehow connected even if I'm wrong in the interpretation it's coming through me and I need to be aware of that and I need to share it in the best way possible for the client and so once I begin to um, to share with them and they start saying no 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 and I'm like look I, I completely understand that you're not understanding some of this or some of it isn't making sense to you but what I want you to do is I want you to before you before you you think that you know what they're saying I want you to just like pull back a little bit and I want you just, just to be aware of what each piece of information is and how it could potentially apply to your situation or to the experience with this person because and, and I, I even give permission to tell me no at the beginning I always tell people it's okay if you say no like it happens all the time people think they know what I'm talking about they really don't and then when they go over the recording they're like oh my god I know what he's talking about now or I totally miss where, where he was taking that because I thought he was talking about something else and so I tell people it's okay if you don't understand that you can just let me know you don't understand I'm not gonna take no uh, personally because I know from experience that a lot of people in the moment they're, they're completely caught off guard they're not know what to they're not knowing what to expect it's a new experience for them when they go back over the recording they will figure it out and it happens a lot more often than not so that's usually how it happens so that's where the spirit personality memory experience is at guides beings angels uh, because people a lot of people they they discuss or they acknowledge angels and they put them in the same 
position as guides. Some people think that angels are guides. From what I understand and where I'm coming from with all the experience that I've had, angels are an archetype. They are a representation of energy, of pure love and of pure high vibrational energy. But they're not exactly like people like you or I. They're not humans that have lived lives before. Um, they're just vibrational energy forms that are represented by what we think they would be or by our conditioned filter that places them within that. Now, some people may disagree with me. That's okay. You don't have to agree with everything that I say. But angels are a pure form of energy from my experience. And if you think of angels, demons are in the same kind of spectrum, but on the opposite end. They are a pure form of energy that is connected there. So some people are like, oh my gosh, demons and all this other stuff. Like, no, I always don't ever, um, we all have our demons and we all have our angels. All Each of us as human beings, we have the spectrum of full human emotions. And some of us human beings who are very vibrationally low and kind of fixated and attached to those lower spectrums, we begin to funnel more energy into that state and we begin to deal with real, like with, with, um, with vibrational forms of demons. Um, but they're not what people usually make them out to be like, oh my God, it's the devil or whatever. No, no, no. Don't let those fearful tactics and stories and narratives from Hollywood and from, you know, religion, et cetera, scare the hell out of you because it's not even that, that crazy. It's just what we've been conditioned to believe. So angels are a higher vibrational frequency or spectrum, and they represent that pure love, higher forms of love and beingness, et cetera. Now, when we talk about our spirit guides, that is what I consider to be on the same kind of level frequency. And those are our those are our people who we connected with before we came into life and we said, hey, I'm going to go through this. Uh, I need you to kind of have my back and keep me on track because I really want to get this knocked out on the trip for this session, for this life incarnation. So I'm going to need you to kind of keep me lined up with what I wanted to do for myself. Oh yeah, sure, sure. I've got you. I've got you. Y'all talked about it. And then they're constantly in your head. Are you sure you want to go down that street? Mm, that may not be wise. You might want to wear your mask. You might not want to wear your mask. So the guides are there to kind of help us to line up with what we chose for ourselves in this physical form and to help us to complete the lessons that we were meant to complete. And so even if we don't complete them, it doesn't matter because at the end of it, we're going to go back over it all with them. And then we're going to come up with a new plan for our next incarnation. Um, our ascended masters or beings of higher spectrum and frequency, um, they also exist on that vibrational level as well. People who channel higher beings or people who channel um, these different entities, etc., that's kind of in the same general spectrum that you're going to have these um, energy states as well. Then you go above that to the higher plane, and that's our soul or our highest self. That is above all of of these kind of personified forms of, of, of beingness and it kind of condenses to a more um, a more focused um, encompassing version of all of the lifetimes we live. So for me, I have my soul, my soul's name is Aja. And so whenever I'm talking or channeling Aja, Aja is the soul version of me. It's my highest self. It's not just a separate being for me. It's my highest self. There is my spirit guide. Her name is Kathleen. She's on a lower vibrational frequency. Um, and so she and I participate and engage in each other with each other a lot more than me and Aja. Aja and I, it has to take more effort and more uh, 
conscious um, focus for me to be able to channel Aja. But Aja is my highest self, and we all have our highest selves. We have our souls, and all of our souls have names, interestingly enough, and all of our souls are, are just the version of us that is the culmination of all of our lifetimes, all of our knowledge, all of everything that we've ever experienced, and it's kind of like a direct representative of God. In other words, if you think of the movie The Wizard of Oz, and they got to the, they got to the gates of the, they got into the Emerald City, they wanted to go see the wizard, they knocked on the wizard's door and then the guy popped out of the window and it's like who are you who are you all you know so that would be the soul it's the representative right before you hit the great wizard which the wizard would in this case be god or source or you know etc um the universe and so that's our soul so our guides are the, the people that we run into along the way like the the, the scarecrow and um the tin man etc so those are our guides so that's um, that's the highest self and the soul area. So we have the ability, and the reason why I use the infinity symbol for this visualization is because we have the potential to cycle through all of these different forms, all of these different energy spectrums. And so we don't just have emotional availability as empaths, we can go way beyond that if we just don't fixate and focus on just that. I think it's important that you know what being an empath is if you're an empath, but don't just settle on that because that's just one stage of what you're capable of. And most people tend to get obsessive and overly focused on one particular frequency or spectrum and then they just stick with it. Um, a lot of these psychics that you might see on the side of the street who have the signs out that say, you know, come in for a reading, 10 bucks or five bucks. Um, I do believe that a lot of these psychics do have psychic ability and they have genuine psychic ability, but it's the same old story. Someone walks in there, they sit down, they give them five bucks, 10 bucks or whatever, and the person comes out and says, there's a bunch of negative energy around you. I can clear it for you. It's going to take $5,000. So I believe that what they're picking up on is an energy that is emanating from that person, but they've kind of stuck to just the emotional base of it and their ego is so caught up in that. They don't really care about helping the person or making their lives better. They just want the money and they just want to take advantage of the situation. So you're going to have psychics in this work who are out to take advantage and aren't even developed enough to be doing this work professionally, while you have others who they find their niche they stick with it and then their entire workload is based on that. Like for example, Paul Selig, who's a very well-known psychic um, medium or he's actually more of a channeler, a good friend of mine, and he's more in the guides, beings, angel spectrum. So that's where he kind of dominates his his focus and his work at. And so that's where he is. While you have someone like Teresa Caputo, she's more where the spiritual spirit personality spectrum slash uh, conceptual thinking and emotional thinking. So she she goes in between those stages, but she's more so on the spirit personality spectrum because she's doing less psychic readings and more spiritual um, spiritual communication and expressing that. So that's where she is. Um, while you have people like John, Ed John Edwards. John Edwards has a huge spectrum. He can achieve a lot of different um, vibrations or frequencies in the spectrum. He does a lot more of the conceptual thinking, spirit personality stuff, and then also with the guides and beings. So he does a little bit more of that and less of the emotional stuff. So it just depends on the person and, and what they train themselves into or what they push themselves at. Um, I didn't want to just stick with one, so I just started to develop myself in every single spectrum. Now, I do have my stronger areas. I do have a lot of stronger areas with the conceptual thinking, the spirit personality, and also with the guides and beings and such, but I still try to evolve and develop all of it because I want to make sure that I don't just stick to one and that I'm able to uh, continue to evolve into the other states as well. Okay. All right. So let's go to the last slide here. 
All right, so this is the last slide here. So this slide is basically how can you make sense of the data you're receiving? How can you make sense of what you're being given on a psychic um, energy spectrum level? So in order for you to understand what you're receiving, you have to understand yourself as the person that you are and everything that you've lived and everything that you've believed. So remember what I said, that our brain is trying to use our thoughts, our emotions, and our memories to make sense of the information we're being given by source, God, universe, soul, spirit, energy, experiences, period. And so what we have to learn to do is we have to learn to use our intention and target focus process, which is basically focusing in on an answer or on a specific situation, focusing in on something, and then trying to understand using our thoughts, our emotions, and our memories to make sense of the data we are being given or what we're receiving through our probing of the energy source. But everything that we receive is going to go through our blinders. It's going to go through our filters or belief system. So if you believe, for example, if you are a huge follower of um, Doreen Virtue, where it's all about the angels, nothing but the angels, then everything that you experience and receive is going to come through the perspective of you're connecting with angels and everything is angelic in nature and everything is around the belief system of angels. If you were raised Catholic like I was, everything that you experience from an energetic perspective is going to come through that belief system. So your belief system is going to shape how you receive information and it, it, and it gives you very specific ways of understanding it, but it can also inhibit you because you may not be experiencing things from its purest truest form you're experiencing it through your belief system and it's going to um, give you something in a particular way in a particular structured form but it's also going to limit anything beyond that form beyond that structure so I think it's important that we don't just have one belief that we stay open and that we have an open-ended belief system where anything is possible anything could be the, the, the case but it's ultimately how often are we encountering certain forms of energy, certain interactions with um, beings, with, with spirits, with psychic information, etc. So whatever you want to find out or whatever you want to know, you just intend to know it. And the more you intend to know it, paying attention to your thoughts, emotions, and memory, what you get back from God or source, the universe, soul, spirit, or energy is going to come through the belief system that you have. And then you just have to play around with that and try to make sense of it. So the psychic process is a very complicated one to say the least. I will say that um, it's taken me years to figure this out and it's taken me years to grasp and get a hold of all of this because this is not just let me meditate and I'm suddenly an incredible psychic. This is more like whoa there's a whole lot more here than just receiving something and it making perfect sense in my head. I have to actually figure out what I'm receiving, what I'm getting. And so the more that I've practiced and put myself out there and you know, taking the hit, taking the risk of being wrong, the more I've had the opportunity to receive psychic information through my intention and engagement with other people. So that's the psychic process. It's a a bit of a complicated one, but once you understand these factors and then you actually work on each one, which is what, um, for those of you, if you want to continue to progress yourselves, I have a free psychic development class. It's a two and a half hour course. I go through everything that you might want to think about that has to do with supernatural, psychic experiences, ghosts, you know, hauntings, poltergeists, all of that stuff. I go into extreme detail with that. It took me a year to put that class together. It's free. It's on YouTube. You just got to go over there and you start it from the beginning, end it at the end. I end with a couple of exercises that can help you start to understand your unique psychic mental process and start to figure out how your brain is making sense of it through the different thoughts, emotions, and memories. So that class will help you to do that. And if you want to learn how to do that, go for it. It's free. Um, if you want one-on-one -on -one coaching, you know how to find me. It's right here on my website.